Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another edition of Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. But before we begin, over on Insane in the Fembrane, I have a smashing guest here in the shape of Helen Rutter. Now, Helen Rutter is not only uh, the, the wife of Rob Rouse, who was on the podcast last week. Also, she's an author in her own right, and she's got a book coming out called The Boy Who Made Everyone Laugh. Um, it's a brilliant book for kids. Uh, it's, I've, I, I had a read of it. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, it's about a young lad called Billy Plimpton, and Billy Plimpton has a stammer. Um, but he wants to be a stand-up comedian, and he's like, "How, how can I get become a stand-up comedian? Even though I have this, I have a stammer, and it's how Billy works his way through it. Uh, and it's it's a fantastic book. So uh, get yourselves over there to Insane in the Fembrane, and Helen will tell you all about it. So back to Insane in the Membrane. Uh, but before we begin, again, before we begin, we, we, we will begin eventually. Uh, we've got five-star reviews. Thank you to everyone for leaving us five-star reviews. We've got five-star re- reviews from Vet Nurse Lisa. Um, we've also got Jim Harrett. We've got Darkest Decadence, uh, Danny P40, Johnny W, uh, Jade MUA. Thank you so much for your wonderful uh, reviews. Uh, five stars. I love it. It's good to see. Um, and anyone who left us a one star, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, it's not for everyone. Um, but thank you for everyone that is enjoying it. Um, and thank you very much for doing that, taking the time. Really appreciate it. I think Vet Nurse Lisa is also Panda Lisa on other things, I imagine. Uh, I, I'm assuming. <laughs> Let's find out. Uh, anyway. Insane in the membrane. Here we are. It's a strange old time. As it, every time I start these now, it's like it's a strange old time. It's beyond strange, isn't it? It's it's knackered. <laughs> it's just this is yeah. We're just getting into the second lockdown. This is when we recorded this, um, and I don't know. I had a walk down to the studio today um, in Tunbridge Wells, and it was weird. It feels like a Sunday, like a. Like last night, we were out and we were. It, it, it felt like a Christmas Eve yesterday. Everyone was get, like getting ready for things, and it was a really weird feeling because you know like, yeah, there was a Christmas feel. It was odd, and then walking down today, all the shops are shut, and you're just yeah, it's like an old school Sunday, like it used to be when I was a kid. But you know, it, but it's, there's other people that aren't experiencing that, and they're experiencing having a terrible time. And to those people, I'm. I hope you're okay. I hope you come out the other side and you're all right. Um, you know, it's just, yeah. And then you've got the American elections, and we're all we're all panicking about 
Yeah, you know, uh, seeing who's going to win. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully, good will will prevail, and the right person will uh, will become the next U.S. president. Which is a thing that we didn't really care about when I was a kid. You know, you kind of were aware of who the president was, but it wasn't such a big deal. You know, we didn't sit up all night watching the watching the start the news. Um, you know, mind you, you couldn't. The toilet, the telly finished at half ten, and we all had to stand up and stand up next to the telly to do the national anthem, and <laughs> we'd all be in bed. How mad is that that we used to have the national anthem at the end of the telly when <laughs> half ten, and then it would just the national anthem and then we'd all have to go to bed (laughs) crazy crazy times um my guest this week is a fantastic comedian who i've worked with uh, many times someone i actually i I mean i say this all the time i i i I, a lot nearly everyone i work with i kind of oh yeah god they're really cool really cool i love i love comedians i do i do i kind of i think because i just relate to them i just feel they're my people, you know. We're all a bit fucked, and we're all a bit—we're all misfits. They don't really fit in, and I just feel like they just comedians just feel like family to me. Um, you know, you get on with everybody, you don't get on with some other people. You know, it's—it's it's just family, isn't it? It's family. Um, but my guest this week is Russell Hicks. Russell Hicks uh, is a, an American comedian, been over here for a few years, and uh, I've been trying to get him on for ages. We just—it just didn't—it just didn't happen, and then. Uh, it has, and here he is, Russell Hicks, and uh, it's been. A, it, we had a really nice chat. We covered. We covered a lot. We talk about the election. We didn't really. We didn't really stick. We didn't really stick to that. You know, we went off on all manner of things, and uh, it was a real joy to have him on and have a chat with him. So, uh, coming up in a minute is Russell Hicks. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for memorial day get 15 percent off your burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25 percent off outdoor that's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A podcast from producerpaul.co.uk. Yeah, you ever do that? You ever agree to someone's podcast, you show up and it's like 
they put like an iPhone in front of you and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. It's happened, it's happened a couple of times, yeah. And, you go, <laughs> and, then, and then it doesn't go out. You never see it. Come <laughs> I've done three-hour podcasts. And yeah. I've never seen them come out. I'm like, did, you, did you just, was that for your personal collection? Right. <laughs> We've got all the toys here, Russell. We've and, got everything, uh, man. And we're going to put this out this afternoon at six. We're fucking epitome oh. of efficiency. Same day? Damn. Same day, brother. This is going Woo! straight out, man. It's the modern world. All right. <laughs> I haven't had my phone on all day, so I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Um, It's looking good, man. You're talking about the election? Yeah, of course, mate. Let's just get into it. Come on. It's, it's looking good. It's looking good, man. I mean, like, I think he's won. I mean, this is where it's like I'm getting conflicting information, but it looks like he's winning these battleground states, which is mm. which is incredible. Like these states that, you know, usually vote Republican. And so Trump, I, all I know is Trump is flipping out and it it's, you know, it sounds like he's he's losing. So, yeah, man, I mean, it looks shame. like he's losing. I feel it. I feel No, I mean, the yeah. numbers are good. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's funny that you kind of go, oh, I want to believe it, but I don't want to I don't want to jinx it by believing it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But it's looking real good. But I think he's going to fight it and drag it out so long. Yeah. That it that it could be. You know, who knows how long. Oh, he's not. Yeah. He's not going to just accept it, is he? He's not. He's no. just going to. Oh, he's fighting it now. They're suing. Yeah. States. <laughs> They're suing. Like, fucking hell. This is what happens when you get businessmen instead of poli actual politicians in. It, exactly. Yeah. He's, it, not even, just, he's not even good at business. The fuck? I know. This isn't real estate, man. No. <laughs> That's the thing, man. He's like, I think he's used to like starting. He, he does. He tries to, you know, he does like his business model was like, uh, you know, go all out. But if it doesn't work, you can walk away from it like an asset. You can burn it down. You can sell it. Yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't you can't do that with a country. Man, so. <laughs> He's tried though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, I've been listening to, uh, I've been watching Cody Johnston on YouTube. I don't know if you know him. Mm -mm. And um, ah uh, man, it's just it's, uh, some more news show. And uh, he was just he's just going. He goes, we, the the movies, the movies have been warning us about Trump for years, decades. Every villain yeah. from Super Mario Brothers onwards has been based on Trump. Because <laughs> and we didn't listen. Well, Back to the Future too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. It's like no one's fucking <laughs> listened forever. Yeah. It's in the movies, man. Because it would have helped if he had a Hitler mustache. If he just had the mustache, <laughs> then maybe people would be like, oh, okay, yeah, we get it. Yeah, yeah. But something we can actually go. Yes, that's evil. Something we can hang on to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even then, I think I think he would have just brought it back in the South. You'd see people with the little mustache, like. It's back in style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've already seen people on some people I follow on uh, on Instagram uh, from the south, and they're they're already saying, "Look, it, it, there was one this morning. He's going, look, if you're if you're, I'm going to double check where you're from before I accept your your fucking friend request on here, and blah blah blah. They're already shutting down, like if Trump doesn't get in, you're like, oh fuck, man, what do you see that others don't see? What do you mean they're shutting down? They're, like, just they're like, already like if you basically if you're he goes I want to I want you know I'm I need to I need to look after myself and and what I, basically he's a Trump supporter and Trump doesn't look like he's getting back in yeah so he's just shutting up shop to anybody else that isn't a Trump supporter and yeah. you're just like the fuck do you see what do you see yeah I don't know man uh, I haven't been you know I haven't been to the South that much but uh, no. you know it's um. But that's that's another reason. That's why we're kind of divided in America is because like it's so big 
we don't we don't actually interact with each other that much so no that's we true. should that's sort of my theory i've often said that a lot of people in california are like oh why do they vote this way and, I'm like, and and the way that it's set up in america is you have to live in that state so i'm like well how about all the actors in la admit that they're not going to make it and move <laughs> to georgia like move there and do something actually good with your life like set up you know little uh oxygen cafes and yoga studios and and flip the state that's it yeah yeah do it yeah, do it that way honestly there should from be the a mass should be a mass migration <laughs> from california it'd be better for you and me like we could get out there maybe get an audition or something <laughs> and uh, and free up the parking spaces there's oh, so man. much there's so much dead weight in hollywood like <laughs> we honestly we should just do a mass poll we should just be like okay who hasn't actually who says they're an actor in this town but hasn't worked in the last 10 years? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You're being deported to Florida. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go and work on a golf course. Off you go. Sorry, mate. You 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 say you're a voiceover artist. You you've been working at Denny's for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> you grew up in California, didn't you? Yeah, I grew up in San Diego. Yeah, right. See, that's yeah. That, what was that like? That I know someone else is from San Diego and they love it. Yeah, man. I mean, it was, uh, I suppose I grew up, you know, I, I knew nothing else. So it mm. took me, it took me a while to realize how different it was from the rest of the country and what a, what a privilege it was actually. I, um, it's just so laid back that, you know, it's, 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 it's weird when you, I suppose from the outside you look at it, you go, oh, it's just this laid back, whatever. But when you're inside, there's a lot of nuance to it. Like, mm. It's actually this weird sort of mix of um, hippies and beach bums, but also like Republicans who go there to retire. Right, like it's, okay. it's a little conservative, actually. A lot of a lot of San Diego. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I suppose like when I got into my early twenties, though, I started to be annoyed with San Diego's attitude because it's just so. <laughs> it's like people love it so much. And it's just, there's just this general attitude, like, where, like, they, like, this is, uh, I, I talked about this the last time I went back, where you'll just get these guys who walk around in, like, flip-flops and sandals, and they've done nothing with their lives whatsoever, but they're like, but you know what? The sun's shining. I think I'm doing all right, bro. <laughs> like, just this. I love that. Yeah, there's just this general arrogance of... <laughs> And it's like okay, and that—that's why people hate California, is because just the people that attitude of like the so insular. But no, it's great, man. I mean, that was what was great is when I eventually moved to LA. I would just I could just go two hours back home, and it's such a, it's a real breather from the fast pace of like Hollywood and and Los yeah. Angeles. So. It's, it's so far. I remember going to going to LA, and as you're flying in, you can't see the end of it. It's just so vast. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's no like if you fly into London you can kind of see the green and you can see you can see where kind of where London ends, but LA just spreads out for just it's it's endless. It's a megalopolis. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and I uh, and, and and so such a mix of people. It, uh, yeah, it's I mean like London is stressful. London I've said this before, London doesn't give a fuck if you can keep up with it or not. No, like there's all this. Oh, I'm gonna go to London and seek my fortune. And if you if you don't hit the ground running, London will just spit you out. It's like no, no, no. This is what we do, and you can either keep up or fuck off. Well, yeah, that's something I've been trying to talk about is how 
um, one thing I've noticed, and this goes for America, this is anywhere, is it's ironic that the big cities, you have a choice, basically. If you live in a big city, the people are super woke, mm. okay? But they're rude. Yes. All right? Yeah. Whereas, but then you go to a small rustic village, oh, they're so nice to your face. But they all are racist and vote for crazy. <laughs> Honestly, like... You're in London. Everyone's like, "Soup, I'm organic. I'm like, rights for everyone." But like, they will fucking run you over and throw you in the street if they need to get to Boots and you're in their way, right? <laughs> yeah. And then like, you go to America and you go to like a little cafe because I have been to the South a little bit. Dude, go to a cafe in like Georgia. Oh my God, you've never just how y'all doing? Have a seat, sit down, mm. you know. But then. They're like, all right, tell all your white friends. Thank you. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just kind of like, which one do you want? But Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I remember being in, I was in Poughkeepsie. And um, I mean, which isn't South, obviously. But I was in, I was in, I, you know, I'd only ever been to New York before. And so coming out of, going further up the state and into the, into the towns. And, and it, yeah, I, I was sitting in, it was a place called Friendly's. Um, and it was just this fucking. I got there and they were just so friendly, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I was like, it's like yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. Yeah, all right, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Back off a little bit. You know, yeah. it's like, but I'd rather that than, yeah, just over here where they n almost ignore you. Yeah, it's brutal. Um, <laughs> and I went to New York and thought, I'm ready for this. Like, I've been living in London six years. Um, I hadn't been to New York City in a while, and I was like, uh, I went like two years ago, and I said, bring it, dude. Like, I've mm. lived in London, and New York completely blindsided me. Like, it was, you know, it was even rougher. Yeah. I was just in the street for like, I was there, I'm not, I was there for an hour, and some guy tried to fight me. <laughs> and I just thought, damn, man, this is even, this is, this truly is, you know, this is the, this is the Big Apple. Yeah, this is man. even worse, but, you know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I remember trying to ask directions and this, so this, and I didn't really think. I was up, I was doing danger fields, and I was coming out, came out of there, and then I'm trying to find the subway, and this woman was walking towards me, and I wasn't thinking. I just went up, and I was like, "Excuse me," and she fucking, she nearly jumped out of her skin, and then was like, walked right round me. I'm like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm done. I'm not doing it. I just want to know where the subway is. It's up there. It's up there." Like really, like oh. yeah. And I was like, "Oh fuck, yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, yeah." It was like the fear factor was. It was amplified. Yeah, and the thing is, and I used to say this about Los Angeles too, is once you get used to it, like once you get to the point when you've lived there and you go, oh, it's not so bad, that's because you've turned into one of them. Yes. And you yeah, don't even know assimilated. it. So, so when you live in Hollywood and you start to go, hey, this isn't so bad, to the outside world, you've now become <laughs> like a teeth-glowing Mania, you're you don't even know it. You're probably starting to say things like, "Yeah, like my chakras are just really aligned and things are going so well." So that's when you've got to go. And when yeah, when you're in New York, like you've probably become a complete asshole, and you're like, "Oh, this is great." Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Man. Which is, I loved London, so you know, I don't know. Maybe I became one of them. I think that's what it is. You, yeah, you do. You you subconsciously assimilate. In order to survive, you know, you you don't want to be, you don't want to stand out from the crowd. You want to just be part of it. Um, it's like, well, yeah, I, I know people that they live 15 miles from London and they rarely go. You know, they'll they'll go and see the Christmas lights, but they won't go. They go, oh, I don't know, it's too much, too much. But, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't wait to get to the city. It was really like, I just, oh, there just seems to be more stuff I want to do. 
Uh, London's the best. I, I love that city. Um, we just moved out, you know. We're living in uh, Kent now. We live in Rochester. I know Rochester. Yeah, yeah we just man. moved out. Like, And uh, it's really it's really a weird change. I mean, we did it just... I just needed a little bit of space, and I wanted mm. to... Uh, you know, it's a quick train, all that stuff. You know, anybody who moves out of London, they know all the stats. It'll be like, 37-minute train, you know, 13, 13 quid, dude. Like, it. Yeah. Um, I think Carl Donnelly's got a great joke about that. But, uh, yeah, um, but I, I miss being in London because I, I really believe that that city, man, you could just walk outside, and if you go into the middle of the city with absolutely no plan, you'll end up doing something. Yes. Phenomenal. Like, just, you'll just do something amazing. You'll You'll end up yeah. in some museum having a having a coffee somewhere it's it's the best yeah man. yeah man. Where, are we doing we're recording right now yeah man this well then it. let's get into some <laughs> mental health dude yeah well this is the thing this is like mental health this is this is what we do we ease into it yeah all right you know? we, like we, we don't just go we don't just sit there and just list our ailments we just gentle touch man. We just because things like like you like you've already hit it now on the head like moving out from the city to a place like rochester and I know, I know Rochester. I kind of my kids are from Gravesend, which is just up the road, and so I've spent a lot of time down there. I've worked in Rochester, so I know it. Um, but it, that's a weird. It's got like the main high street, which is all this like old. It's almost like Shakespeare town, you know. You've got this little bit, but then you've got. It used to be up the hill, top of Star Hill, was where all the prostitutes used to be. That's what someone said. That's where yeah. we live. We live up near where the prostitutes live. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, along the top road. Yeah, and. Uh... You know, I can tell you, some of the money I get paid to gig, I think I'm keeping that tradition alive. But <laughs> uh, uh, I'm a whore. Uh, we all are, man. Use We're that all selling a, ourselves. Use that clip. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Just that, just that one soundbite. I'm a whore. I'm a whore. Russell Hicks, everybody. A whore. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, that's what that's what I hear. But it's nicer now, so it's always the areas that are the roughest. That I think, you know, I guess it's it's like, it's weird, isn't it? Like, yeah, if you live in the city, they'll be like, oh, that was 30 years ago. That was the worst area ever. And now it's one of the, it's, it's quite nice. You know? cool. Yeah, I think everybody's everybody's moving away from the city. Everyone realizes they don't need to be in the city, you know, especially now working from home and, and, and things like that. And when we, we moved out, we moved to Leon C, which is near South End. And yeah, Essex, and you're and you, and I didn't realize how tense I was until I was sat in the lounge, and I realized I would my, my my fists were clenched, and I'm like, why am I sitting like that? It's because I was just so, oh, I was so city and oh, just tense, and it, yeah. it took a while for that to to subside. Yeah, well, I'm always I'm a big fan of escaping like um, just these preconceived notions of like how you. You know, you're fed this line of like how how you have to, especially like when I grew up in America, I remember from a very early age, like them saying, this is how you do it. Okay, you work hard and you have a job and you move up and you do well and then you retire. And I just remember from early on thinking that sounds like a bunch of that sounds like a line of shit, man. Mm. Like, I mean, it just sounded like uh, a, a real waste of your life and also when I engaged in that world, it, it just wasn't, uh, you know, it was, it, it, it didn't work that way, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think like you talk about the South and all that and, and the, and the people who voted for Trump, that's, 
I get it because that was the they believed it. Bless their heart. They they believed what I a long time ago was like. Yeah, right. What a load of <laughs> shit. Like, you know, it's like even when you have a job in America, they tell you that they go, "We're all a family." They use all this weird corporate speak, and I'm yeah. like, "No, no, we're not." Like, we're not. You don't yeah. care. <laughs> it's, and good so, that, it's good that you yeah. had that. That it's good that you had that mindset. Well, so I was know. always yeah. I was always like it was like a grifter. Like it was like I I was like I would just try to figure out and I think a lot of comedians are like that where we find loopholes and we alternate ways of existing in this system. So mm. you go, okay, wait a minute. Um, okay, so I know I've got to pay the rent, but what if I get rid of my car, move in with these seven other people in a flat in Hollywood? My rent is only this. I get this much for gigs. Boom. I'm living a free life. You know what yeah. I mean, Shelly? And then that leads to like, came to London and then little things like what you said when you go to Leon C. That's another way of like figuring out a way to survive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and it, I, because I didn't have that. I always, because it was the, because it was the adults. The adults were telling us this. So I was like, well, it must be true because the adults have said this. Yeah. And it wasn't until later, it wasn't until I started doing comedy and I went, the fucking adults didn't know, they didn't have a clue. They didn't know what they were doing. They're just, they're just, they're just believing the bullshit as well. They don't fucking know, and it really, it yeah. really took the blinkers off when I started comedy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think um, I always, you know, Reservoir Dogs. You ever seen that movie? Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, in the end of the movie, I always feel like comedians are Mr. Pink, where everybody has shot themselves, and then, <laughs> and then he just sort of sneaks he out with the, the bag diamonds. and fucks off. Yeah, I like to think he got away. I think he gets killed on the outside, but like. That to me is the comedian. He sort of sits back, lets it all play out, and then he just woo. <laughs> he just runs out with you. the diamonds. <laughs> oh man! I think going back to Trump a little bit. That I was watching the video of John Lydon, um, Johnny Rotten, and everyone was slagging him off. Going, oh, well, he can't believe he's a Trump supporter. Is it? That? But when you actually listen to what he was saying, he was explaining why the people, what Trump actually spoke. To the to the to the this, the people you know the the working class and the disenfranchised people the people do you know what I mean he kind of spoke to a a, a a band of people in America that felt ignored I guess yeah and it, so he wasn't necessarily sticking up for Trump but he was explaining why he was so popular yeah totally yeah. I, and I agree I I understand completely why he's so popular I think even maybe they wouldn't. They might, he was the only person, even if it was like just a surface thing that he was saying. Yeah, these yeah, things. yeah. Because the irony is that he's speaking to them saying you've been forgotten, but he himself is a product of that system, which has kept them down. So yeah. it's kind of like, but from their perspective, they're like, well, he's the only one really saying it. So, um, you know, yeah. uh, but so I, I totally. I do totally get it. Uh, it's a shame, but yeah, yeah, I, I do get it, man. But um, you're we, like we were gonna like so you so growing up in San Diego, yeah, um, and then you said that's no, it's a ch it's a chilled out place and it's you know it's pretty cool and 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 so anyone else on the outside would be going well what mental health issues would you have you grew up in paradise you know <laughs> and that's the that's the thing even it's not necessarily your surroundings that will affect your mental health do you know what I mean it's something else. Yeah. Um, well, I even look around my family and I think, what, uh, where did all this come from? Yeah, because my thing when I was early on 
was uh, I had anxiety, and I, I, I get a little uh, annoyed now. And someone sort of got on my case about it. Like I've never felt when I talk about anxiety, some like people talk about it now, and even back then, I remember when I was in my twenties, like. I sound. I say that like I'm 60 now. Even <laughs> like, like yeah, you're only one. yeah. I <laughs> know. Uh, never you mind, Richard. Um, <laughs> even back when I was in my 20s, like, and going through this anxiety, my anxiety was so severe, these panic attacks and stuff, right. that when other people would talk about it, and they would describe it, I would think, I don't think you're having the same. Uh, experiences me like mm. this is really debilitating like physically yeah, right. crazy like i thought i was losing my mind and what would happen well um you know it's weird how it started i'm i'm trying to think the i i when i was like when i was about 18 i was i was really like coming out of this period in my teen years when i was in high school where Man, it's so complicated. I don't know. Mm. It's like I, I went through this thing in my teen years, which is like I, I just got obsessed with uh, um, like I, I, I almost had like an eating disorder when I was like in my teenage years. Oh, really? Like, Well, because I remember this is how it started. It was like I'll just do quickly. I just all I remember is like when I hit about 13 or 14, the men around me all appeared to have gone to some secret room where they took steroids and turned into these animals. Everybody was getting hair and muscles all kinds of places. <laughs> and I'm looking around like it's just I was like a firework, a firecracker that just didn't yeah. you know, it's like I felt like I was 14. I was like the fuse has been lit. When is this going <laughs> to when is this going to pop? Like this guy's got abs. He's he's 15 years old. Look at his what the hell is going on here? And they were all, like, having sex. I'm just like, what's going on? So then I remember, like, I, I sort of started to think, okay, I need to, like, work out. So I got into that. And then that was like a, like, uh, I got really perfectionist about that. And I remember I just sort of disappeared. I sort of disappeared from the social groups. I also got grounded around that time for, like, drinking. It was weird, man. All these mm. things happened that separated me. I spent a whole year not really connecting with the uh, social group, okay? Yeah, And right. then when I, when I came back to reality a little bit, like, everyone had moved on, and I had no... I didn't fit in anywhere. I yeah. had no... I didn't... I wasn't cool, and I couldn't... I was, like, in my head now, like, and I couldn't be as um, funny and natural with these popular kids so then i sort of got ostracized anyway so then i started just bouncing around to different groups i just like bounced around to all these groups i was like hanging with the punks and then i was over here with the stoner kids and with the stoner kids i started doing drugs all the time so yeah right now i'm on drugs anyway that was a long <laughs> way to get to the point that whole thing was a long roundabout way to say i'm on drugs at 18 so i remember i did a few drugs that just didn't mesh well with me and then I like, I remember I just had to stop. Like I couldn't, I tried to smoke a joint one day and I had this like really bad panic attack and that was it. Yeah. And all of these things are negatives, but at the same time they were all positives because in a weird way that scared me off drugs at 18 and I've never done drugs since. Oh, really? Like, yeah. So I just stopped forever. But 
I've, over the years, I sort of had this like residue anxiety and uh, they would just get worse and worse. They would just start compounding. And I remember the panic attacks would get to the point that I remember one time we were driving to uh, Palm Springs to see my parents and I was in the car with my sister and my brother and I we'd been drinking the night before, so I had a bit of a hangover. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, and I was drinking coffee. And I remember we're in the middle of the desert, and I just start thinking, if you, if you had something go wrong right now, like something physically, you there's no hospitals around. Mm. And then my mind just started going crazy. No way. To the point I just lost it. And I mean, I actually had my sister pull the car over, and I was just walking in the desert while they're standing at the car and I'm I'm on the phone different people are talking to me trying to calm me down like they were calling random people that right. I just I, I was just like I need to talk to this guy and I'm I'm just walking around in the desert my my whole body is like flipping out you know it's a panic mm, attack you know yeah and I just remember being like my family <laughs> was so like they had never experienced anything like that yeah. and my sister listen bless her heart she just uh I, it was just so foreign to her she just thought it, it was the equivalent of like watching someone go at literally insane yeah and, and there's uh, nothing and you're just looking because i imagine when you're in the middle of it you're not russell you're this yeah, you're this version and you're like what the fuck we where is this coming from? Well, and it was the mm. ultimate, like, what people now talk about, about, you know, mental health and how mm. we're very kind to it. But, dude, at the time, that it was the worst because with something like that, you're trying to tell them something's wrong. And to someone who is not in any way in tune with that, they're looking at you like, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong. I'm looking at you. You're not dying. You're physically fine. And... And you're, and that just makes it worse. I was gonna say, yeah. Then you're, then you're not listening to me, and then you get frustrated with that. Yeah, and, yeah, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm in the desert, and I'm Fuck. walking around in the desert, and then, and then there's the the after effect of that, where I finally do. We get in the car, we get there, and then I just sort of lay down for a day. But the whole family around you, you know, is, and they're trying to mm. be understanding, but you're just that. Um, it was a further intensification of that, like. This I'm like this other, you know, this mm. this weirdo that that, you know, and then you're walking around the whole vacation like you're, uh, you know, the the like in a Hollywood movie I would have had like a hospital gown on and bandages <laughs> on my wrist and they'd been like, oh, there's there's the uh, the middle child. Oh yeah. <laughs> and do you feel it coming? Do you, do you still have them? Do you feel them coming on? And do you know how to deal with them when when they're coming? Well, so the weird thing was, I remember I read Steve Martin's book, and he was mm. the first person to, like, I thought, yeah, he knows what I'm talking That was so great, because when I started stand-up, um, you know, I, I read that book, and he says, in the end of the book, he says he started getting panic attacks. I couldn't believe it. It was so, mm. like, just the empathy, just the, to be like, oh, my God, yes, this guy, too. Yeah. And then um, the way I started dealing with them, because I would get them all the time, I, I, I'd be driving sometimes and I would get one and it was just like, holy shit, I'm going to like implode. Uh, I would just ride them all the way. Mm. You know, I had, to, I had to work it out. I was online. I'd, I'd like learn how to do it. And uh, 
the trick is you just got to grit your teeth. This is probably a really like uh, American sort of way to deal with it. But I would like, I would just take it all the way. Like instead of fighting it, I would go, okay, mm. all right, then I'm going to die. And I would ride it all the way in. And then once you do that, your brain, you sort of train your mind to be like, well, nothing happened. You're and then right, yeah. you lose the fear of it. So I was actually able to get over them. But I remember, and, and, and sometimes I look back and like actually am able to be, like appreciate that I got over it. Because I remember at the time thinking, this is never going to go away. Mm. This is like, I'm afflicted with this for the rest of my life. And so the fact that I... Now I haven't had one in like ten years, okay. and and maybe once in a while one will come like it'll just sneak up and I can zap it really quickly. Mm. Um, Do you remember what it felt like when you're in the midst of a like this that one in the desert? Can you remember what it felt like? Did it feel? I mean, obviously you're in the middle of you're panicking. Can you remember? You know what what the world looked like around you while you're in the midst of that. Did it feel like it was all like sort of falling in on you or? Yeah, it was like, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Like I, like I, I, my mind is not very grounded in reality. Okay. And so like, maybe that helps me in comedy. You know, I, yeah. I, I feel like the things that, the things that make us, almost impossible to function in the real world are the yeah. exact things that benefit you in like creation and performance. So like my mind would like, I was like hallucinating. I mean, I would almost like, I, I, I had no, I, I would literally think, yeah, like I'd be like, almost like how you hear people talk about what if we're living in a matrix, man? That's <laughs> yeah. what I would think. I'd be like, I couldn't, I'd be like, nothing is real. Like I like the world around me was like, was like crumbling. I was almost like, this is all like simulacra. Like this is wow. not, yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah. That's what I mean. It was bizarre thoughts like that. And, and it would just culminate in this, in this panic. Like sometimes I would just get on a train of thought. Like I would start, ruminating about the vastness of the universe yeah you know? so i'd just be like sitting in my car and just start thinking we're like on a planet in this universe and then i would try to fathom how large that was and then i would just freak out <laughs> i mean yeah 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 i don't I remember, know i remember my ex-wife i might have said this on here before but i said we were talking about the universe and uh and i and you know i was like you know it's just getting big i thought we were talking about creation and I'm like, yeah, but this is—it's always been—it's all—it's always expanding. It's just—it's—it grows. It's not. There wasn't one person created it. It just seems like it was naturally just—it just expands and it gets bigger. And she's like, yeah, but what is it expanding into? Like, what's beyond the expansion? And I just went, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And that—that's—I was—I spiraled for ages. Even now, I still think about it. I go, yeah, what the fuck does it Damn. expand? What's be—if it's what's it expanding into? Of course you're going to freak out with this shit. You you're know? triggering me. Yeah. So, <laughs> and as I said it, I'm like, shit, hang on a minute. I don't need to start. But that, I'll I, be the first person to have an actual <laughs> attack on the podcast. Yeah. Uh -huh. When I say, yeah, this is about mental health, this is actually, I'm creating, yeah. I'm creating bad mental health. Mm -hmm. Well, see, we didn't have podcasts back then, kids. Like, that's the thing. Mm. We would just sit, I would just sit in my car and, 
and contemplate the vastness of the universe until I lost my mind. But if I could have just popped earbuds in and distracted myself. Yeah. I mean, that sometimes it is that simple, man. I mean, I'm a big fan of distraction because that's the other thing. And that's, that's the thing I learned through like meditation and stuff is like your brain is uh, as complicated as it is. It's also, you know, at its core, it's like this, it's this muscle that can be trained. Mm. It, it really can, like Pavlov, you know, with the ring and the bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it actually can be solved with very sort of non-mystical practices. Like every time you kind of freak out, like watch something, watch something you like on TV, like associate this feeling with good feelings and yes. shit like that. So Yeah, absolutely. I, I know when I felt, yeah, I take myself off. I put on an album that I know I'm comfortable with. That I know every, I know every, I know every song, every every bit of it. But I know just listening to that for a bit will just make me just just chill out for a little while and stop my because my brain, like many people's, like Doug Stanhope does that bit about the carnival kicks in as soon as you lay lay your head on the pillow. Yeah, and that happens to me all the time. For it's sure, just, yeah. just that tombola of just fucking things and. Do you remember you said that thing to that girl when you were nine? You're like, well, she doesn't remember that. Why am I remembering that? Why am I worried about that? And it's just off I go. And then, yeah, there's music playing and there's all manner of fucking shit. Yeah, that happens to me a lot. I get that a lot. And I really have to, like these days, it's always in the shower. I'll just be like having a shower. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I just remember something from 30 years ago and I go, oh. (laughs) And it's like, what? Uh, Let it go. Like, let (laughs) it go that's why facebook like when i started stand-up and i you got to get facebook and all that that's why i immediately hated it i immediately didn't like social media from the get-go because i didn't like these these people that would come out of the woodwork to be like hey it's me and i'd be like Mm. oh man i you come with so much baggage (laughs) like i've blocked you out of my mind yeah there's a reason why we don't talk yeah, like, hey, it's remember me from high school? And I'm just like, ah! And it's like, that just ruined my Wednesday. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, thanks a lot. You're remembering Although, everything I associate you with now. I've had it the other way where I've I've thought I've upset somebody and it's been on my mind for years. And then when I've, when that, again, that person's popped up, I go, hey, oh, hey, this is nice. Why? I thought you would never speak to me again because of blah, blah, blah. And they go, what are you talking about? And I've just built up this thing in my head that I've really been out of order and said something really bad, and they've never spoken to me again. But it was just—it was just a case of two human beings just kind of drifting apart. Oh, you know what the truth is—is is the times you've really fucked someone off or been an asshole, you don't—you don't remember or even know you did it. Yeah, right. You know the amount of people who've come up to me and said. Yeah, the first time I met you, this is what you did. And I'm like, there's no way I did that. There's no way I did that. And then I'm like, well, if you think about it, when you're like in the city, for example, and someone like just walks by and Bush pushes you off the street and they just keep walking like they, you know, you can be like, oh, that guy's a dick. But actually, that guy didn't even know he did that. No. And you've done that a hundred times. So that's, you know. I don't know. That's, yeah, man. Yeah. Those are the times, probably. <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, like Jer- I do, I'll yeah. tell you, Jared Christmas told me when I first met him that he came into the green room. You know, he always changes his shirt before he goes on. Yeah. 
and I, there's no way I said this. He says that I said to him, don't even know him, when he took his shirt off, I said, what did I say? Um, I said, uh, wow, you are, oh, fucking hell, what did I say? I said something to the effect of like, something like he's, uh, oh, I said, you're deceptively fat. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you didn't just didn't look like it was going to be that much of a mess until you, I I mean there's but you no, didn't you were coming from a good place by the sounds of it I was like I yeah. think I was like nervous in the comedy store green room trying to like uh rib each other but but, but when you're nervous like when you're nervous yeah. that kind of teasing comes out so bad oh, I've been there man yeah. you know you, you every everyone's sort of busting each other's balls and then you try to be like yeah <laughs> fuck you and it's like oh man <laughs> I have shut down so many banter sessions like that everybody's chipping in and then I'll just say something so inappropriate that just everyone just kind of wanders off and I'm like yeah. ah shit yeah I've Ah, oh, fuck. That wasn't... That yeah, wasn't I remember worse. one time, I remember I was in a car, with, this is like a long time ago, this is one that will return to me in the shower, and I love this guy now, but everyone was bantering, but I was nervous, and I th he said something about, eh, people love me, and I go, yeah, I mean, I think you think they actually like you, <laughs> and the car just went dead silent, <laughs> and he said, and I'll never forget, he went, wow, that's the meanest thing anyone's ever said to me. Oh, Yeah, and I was like... Oh man, and I was just like, I, I'm just nervous. It didn't come out with the right, yeah, sugar on top. <laughs> and you should be able to turn around and go, dude, I fucked that right up. I'm really sorry. But that's the thing, because I was nervous. I just thought, mm. no, it's, I think it's better just let that hang. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? But then, oh, that big, then that manifests into something else, and then there becomes a wall. Now, it's, it's, it's yeah. fucking, oh god. But he yeah. wouldn't remember it. You know, he probably wouldn't even remember that. Because I yeah. we hung out so many years more after that, but you know that's something that'll just like pop up and bother me. I got I I try I really try now to let that stuff go. There's a lot of that, man. Like mm. that's just and I catch it sometimes. Like I'll catch it a lot, like that. It just swirls around in the back of my mind, and I just think that that is so unnecessary and unhealthy that you have like sometimes i'll think wow you have a lot of that shit swirling in the back of your brain that essentially is just this voice telling you all the ways you fucked up yes and i'm like what why is that on constant loop <laughs> I've got that. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah man i have to go, rarely dude i get memories pop up i go why am i rem why do i lug that around mm -hmm. nobody else like you said the other person involved doesn't even remember this is probably a different version for what actually happened. But, you know, through time, your memories change a little bit, don't they? And and I'm lugging this shit around. I'm, what am I doing? I have to physically go, right, just fucking bin that off. Get rid of that because there's no point in you yeah. feeling bad about that. You would, however old you were, it's gone now. Yeah, well, I meditate a lot. And I think mm. that, that that's the thing that you get from meditation is that, like, it's not about, oh, I'm going to change that. It's just noticing it. Yeah. Like noticing it is is the battle because you just, to, to be able to, because if you're so in it, like you're just so in the thick of it um, that you don't even know it's happening, that's when it's bad because you believe it. But mm. when you're able to see it and go, that's just this weird negative loop that plays in my brain. 
and then you just sort of move on, you know, that's mm. that really lessens the blow to just be like, and then don't ruminate on, oh, why do I think that way? Just let it go, man. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's just the way it is. Like, the self not that thing about training the brain. Yeah, the self-flagellation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and then you're like, why are you doing that? Just be, just allow yourself to be happy. I read a great book once when I was, um, when I was living in LA. I like, uh, I had this problem because stand-up is all about confidence, and so, mm. and and it's so much a mental game, almost to an annoying degree, that. The guy who believes in himself the most and has the best attitude, he'll do the best on stage. I've seen it a million times. Like if you go up there with just this like this actual genuine love in your heart, you know, maybe you're just mm. having a great day, you're invincible. Yeah, true. You're just invincible up there. And and I remember I, I was having trouble with that because just for whatever reason, you know, like I'm a perfectionist too. So you get off stage and no matter what, you just uh, oh, I did that wrong. Oh, why did I hold the mic? I've like seen that? you do that. We've gigged together, and you've have smashed you? it, and then you come off, and you're like, yeah, but you know, I should have. And I'm just sitting there going, how the fuck did you come up with all that stuff? Because you were talking about earlier about not being your, uh, not being grounded. Of your brain isn't grounded in reality, and you can go. And that's I think that's what makes you really good at what you do. Like you just get up there and you just talk, and all this stuff just comes tumbling out. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, and then when, and when you're, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, but when you're, when you're in the zone, and you see, and when you see a comedian in the zone like that, you go, "Fuck me, this is fucking blistering." And then you come off. Terry Alderson does it, does this as well. And you come off, and yeah. then they're like, you're like, you're like, "Ah, yeah, it was all right, it was all right." Are you fucking kidding? They were nearly stood up halfway through your set, or halfway through your what you were doing. And you're like, "Yeah, but I wasn't feeling it." Yeah, you Terry. Know? Yeah. That's weird. I actually said that to you. Uh, I've gotten a lot better with that, but like Terry was someone I can't remember if this was on a podcast or he said it to me when we were just talking. But he he said something to me once. I was like, "Wow, then I really need to get a handle on this." Because he said he'll get a standing ovation and walk off feeling bad about it. Mm. And I thought, well, at that point, that's on you. Yeah, like that. As at that point, that is a mental disorder. I mean, not not to like shame or anything, but I'm just because I feel I've had the same thing. That's like at some point you got to get a hold on it and just be like, you know what, man? Like, put it into perspective because all you're mm. doing is it's an it's an indication of your own ego thinking that you're important and that what you do is so important that it needs to be perfect. When in reality. Mm. It's really beneficial to genuinely try to understand the perspective of the audience, which is that you're just this thing that they're going to do on a Saturday night. This, It's not nobody is thinking about it as like, see, that's the thing we think because a lot of us stand ups are we're not just performing at a comedy club. We are on a mission to be these great comedians mm. and we're on this journey these these people are just this is just what they're doing <laughs> you're just part of their evening before they go to all bar one <laughs> and that yeah is great like you need the audience that's the thing is i have always like i feel like if you're ever in a state where you hate the audience there's something going on with you mm. because as much as it's like it can be annoying their indifference you need that element because imagine if they took you as seriously as you take yourself. I mean, it'd be a Stuart Lee gig. 
No. Um, what, <laughs> <laughs> it would, uh, you know what I mean. So. <laughs> I know what you mean, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be no fun for anyone. Imagine that. We all think this is the most important thing that any of us have ever done, and it's yeah. Just, it's, so it's yeah. it's kind of grounding for them to just be like, yeah, you're you're. Uh, I don't know. The audience almost represents the cold, um, indifferent universe. The reality, <laughs> it's the reality, isn't it? It's like we think it's everything, and then they're like, yeah, you're just part of a part of a thing we're doing. Yeah, but if you battle that cold in different universe you're gonna have problems but if you just sink into it and yeah then there you go baby <laughs> but um but yeah that thing but uh, the book i read when i was in uh, la i i read this and i just found this book randomly at the library and books are really important to me i stopped doing drugs and then when i was 26 i stopped drinking mm. that probably also again about basic physical thing like that obviously probably had a huge hand in me not having anxiety anymore. I mean, you can't be like, oh, I'm having anxiety. And then I think Sean Walsh had a great bit about this too, where he just talks about he thought he was depressed in his 20s, but he realized he had never, all he needed to do was eat an orange. And uh, (laughs) that's fucking genius. It's like, it is that simple sometimes. Like you're like, well, let's see. I drink a fucking malt liquor 40 every day and I have one meal. Uh, why is my brain chemistry a bit off? Uh, and, and like, I just remember I got, so, but I, I quit all that. And then um, what was great is when I quit that, and I always tell this to people who, because some comics know on the circuit that I don't drink, like, mm. or do drugs or anything. And so they'll ask me sometimes, like, how to get, you know, on the wagon. And I'll just be like, well, you know, it's hard, but you create this vacuum in your life. And you'll start to fill it with these other things that you essentially get addicted to, but they're yeah. positive addictions. You know, like for me, I just filled it with like reading and shit. Like I just loved reading. So I got this book and it was uh, it was called On Confidence okay. by this lady, Sheena Rankin. And it was just this random book. And this is what's beautiful about books, man. I just picked this random book up and it's almost sounds corny. I mean, it does sound like a corny book, but completely helped me there was so much good stuff and one of the best things about it that was so applicable to stand up was basically it's just identifying how you shit on yourself and one of the things i got from it is like when you get off stage and i did this for years uh just the first thing you do is think of before you start going i did that wrong this is bullshit why did i do that just think of three things that you did right that you did correct and i dude i'll tell you what it really wakes you up to how negative your brain is when you can't like it's so impossible to think of one good thing (laughs) and you just think this isn't wow this is crazy because especially if you've had a good show yeah and your brain is almost like so it i know mine was in the beginning it was so ready to just dump on myself that it was like i couldn't even get it to think of one good thing but then after you do that for a while you kind of like train yourself so you think of three good things you did right and then and then once you've done that you can do three things in the future that you want to do better yeah and it's a very positive way to look at it it's not three things that you go you're an asshole it's three things that you're making a plan in the future to go oh do this a little bit better do that a little bit better but you train your brain to be like to kind of like your first instinct isn't you're a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you get off stage and your first instinct is to go, oh, that was, uh, you did that one thing, you tried that new thing, and that, you know, 
you uh mm-hmm. you know you implemented that from last so yeah that was big man that was like a really big thing and it, and it did it like it helped me kind of uh get out of that loop that's brilliant because i do i I, i've been guilty of that i think we all have i think everybody not just in comedy i think everybody does that we we tend to just kind of come away from situations and going oh fuck i could have done that better i could have done that and not really like you say focusing on any good stuff and it and it and 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 i think yeah we do but then this is this came up in ruby wax's book it said the reason we are on the side of negativity it's because it used to be our survival system. That was our survival instincts. Was to, that was how it kept us alive, by not trusting everything, you know? Yeah. And, it, and that, so that we've still got that residue that we're dealing with, still that, oh, yeah, but any minute a tiger might come out from behind a truck and eat me, you know? And that's, yeah. So we do, we do tend to kind of go towards the negatives. Yeah, I, I do wonder how my ancestors survived. I think about that sometimes. I think we were, we were just holed up in a cave somewhere <laughs> while everybody else was fighting or doing whatever. We were like, yeah, Mr. Pink all over again. Yeah, that's how I survived. Like the Hicks, the Hicks cavemen were just in a cave somewhere like, I'm not going outside, man. Forget it. Forget that, dude. I'm working on these cave paintings and they're not good enough. This is shit. <laughs> oh, man. And so, and so, and that's the other thing as well is that I know other people have said, like, oh, you know, the, you know like, I want to quit drinking. They go, okay, yeah, I know it's difficult, and you know, but, but then they're like, oh, then I won't have anything to do. And I think that's what people, like you said, people worry about that, about there being nothing. Like they kind of drink to block out the negativity, and then they drink, and then the next day they're all negative because they're all hungover and they're down, and the blood sugar levels are fucked, and they haven't eaten and all that sort of shit, and it just becomes this spiral, doesn't it? And then, and then they worry like, fuck! If I don't drink, what am I gonna do? And, yeah, you know, and that's well, you know, you got. That's the thing. I don't know how to prescribe. Like, I don't know how to prescribe lifestyle choices or anything to no. anybody else. So all I ever do is because I I do act in a very, I do what works for me. I've no, and and if other people and I know that I'm a very specific personality type. I like solitude. I'm I'm. A loner, I kind of am totally cool with just being on my own. I probably prefer it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, I'm, I love like just hanging out, reading books by myself with a cup of coffee. Like so, that really works for me. So I don't know if that works for other people, but I know it's hard for people to quit drinking and doing all this stuff. But that's where it goes back to, again, like a positive, a negative turn into a positive, like. Although that thing in high school, when I got so obsessed with like, like fitness and all that, like, in a, that taught me discipline though, yeah, because I was able to do it, and it was really hard. And then just learning that one discipline, I apply that all the time now. Like I can, I can do shit. Like I can, I can say, okay, I'm gonna do this regularly for three months or whatever. Like mm. I've got a, a kind of a willpower. So, um. I mean, if you, so for anyone who's like thinking they want to get off that shit, like once you do one thing like that in your life, like if you are able to quit drinking, dude, it opens up this whole world of like possibility where you're like, wow. If I can do that, I can do this. Yeah. Consistency, you know, like being consistent with anything. And and then, yeah, it's just something that became like, I think you, you just find things that, 
you know that excite you like you i and i knew a lot of fr- i had a friend uh back in san diego who used to do heroin and he stopped and mm. he was clean when i met him he was clean and he had the same thing you know he he got into marathon running and you see that a lot with people who give up these things that were so abusive to them in their lives they take that addiction because that that energy that addicting energy is actually a really powerful positive thing if you if you point it at the right objective yeah. and and you'd see that all the time and these guys would give up these drugs or something and then they would just get addicted to something like running yes but it was so positive and they were so excited to um you know to do it but it would give them that same charge you know they need something to be addicted to they need something to yeah to to go after like a hobby or whatever and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I've, I, yeah. There's plenty of comedians that we know that have gone from doing just being party animals, and then suddenly, like, there's Mickey D. who's out in Australia. Yeah. And he, when I first met him, he was a party animal. You know, he, I'd never met him before. He rang me up. He said, "Oh, we're going, we're going to go and do this gig. You're driving, but I'm going to bring food. What do you like?" And I'm like, "Oh no, I'll be all right. I'll sort some stuff out." And he's like, "No, no, no. Let me. I'll sort it out." And he brought this trunk full of food. And we just ate and just all day. And then every time I saw him in Edinburgh, he'd be fucked doing this, that, and the other. And then fast forward a few years, he was on a, on that SAS program on the TV. Like, and now he's this like marathon runner and he runs up mountains and he's raised, he just runs everywhere. And you're like, fucking hell, yeah. what a turnaround. Yeah, man. It's incredible. And, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, and stand up was that, that's the thing. When I quit drinking, I drank as a stand-up for about six months, and mm. it was a shit show. I was, like, into Doug Stanhope. I'd be on oh, stage yeah. with, like, a Miller Light, being like, well, fuck you, Mr. Bush. <laughs> and, and like, well, no, actually, I started in the Obama years. Sorry. Take I was going to say. you don't Yeah, know. hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just aged myself. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, fuck you, Roosevelt. <laughs> but you look so well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, stand-up was, like, the best thing to come into my life at that time because i i often feel like when i talk to people who start comedy there's certain things they say to me that i'm like oh, i don't i don't know if this is for you because the best thing about stand up for me is that our lives are completely flipped yeah so as a as someone who's going to give up drinking some people might be like yeah but you're always in bars no, it's the complete opposite. Like the hardest thing for me was when I was drinking, weekends were all about going out and getting pissed. Yeah. With my like punk rock friends and we would just get hammered. As soon as stand up came in, Friday night is suddenly Monday morning for us. Yes. So you're going to I love I still love that, man. It's like the best for me. It's like you're going to work while everyone else is going out to get pissed. So you you have something to do now. Yeah, Instead man. of going to the bar, you have Friday and Saturday night to, and it benefits you to be lucid and and to be funny. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Oh man, I, when I started, I remember I was so because I'm I'm chronically shy as a really as a person, and mm. it took me I don't even know what possessed me to 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 admit to agree to doing the first gigs. I just something in me just went just fucking do it, just do it. Otherwise, you're just going to be just shy forever, and you'll never know. I just, I don't know, I just kind of went, I'm going to go and do it, I'm going to go and do it. And then, and now I'm, 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 I'm still shy in certain areas, but I'm not as bad as I would have been. And it, it's just, I, yeah, just that, and just having that, 
thing to do at the weekend where I, I, I don't remember the last time, even before that, I had jobs that were, I worked at weekends. So I've never really had that going out on the weekend and getting hammered. It was always other times. Well, I used to do it on the weekdays too. Yeah, right. Yeah. I remember I, yeah. I had this I had this office job where they had a <laughs> they had this like room where they tried to it was called like the the break room where you just uh supposed to sit for ten minutes if you want. And the amount of times I got told, Don't sleep in there because <laughs> they would just walk by and I'd be just like passed out in my in my tie and my stained <laughs> shirt. Honestly, man. <laughs> But, oh, yeah, but this is the thing I was saying this to Jade like she was she was struggling she's writing this script and she kept they were going oh, right we're going to have a, we're going to give you I'll give you a call at 9:30 or wherever it was in the morning and blah and she was getting really really stressed and and worked up and she said oh, I need to, I can't I can't do it I can't do it and she'd sit at the desk during the day and I'm like but you don't do 9 to 5 that's not when you function you're not you're not that you need to be she said I come alive at I come alive at, at night, and I'm like, yeah, because that's when the there's this pressure during the day that we should be, we feel we should be doing something. You know, you got to be productive, and you got to be working, and you've got to be doing this, and all your admin, and blah blah blah. But a lot of us don't fit into that. One hundred percent. And then in the evening, when it's like the office, all the offices have shut. Yeah. So you're like, all right, so there's not going to be anyone chasing me now. Oh, now I can chill. And I one hundred. You know, yeah, I one hundred percent refute all of that what yeah exactly that attitude and i think that whatever whatever culturally we've shifted you know today where it's all about productivity yeah like i i have this like like theory you know that okay people have become so corporate in my in, yes. in in general i feel like like this whole idea that i'm a brand is like and I think Zadie Smith beat me to the punch on this, which is annoying because I was saying it before I read this, but that this idea that oh, AI robots are going to take over. And it's like we're kind of already getting there where <laughs> people are calling themselves brands. They're, you know, treating themselves as if they're these like content creating, analytic watching. The amount of comedians yeah. who have told, like, honestly, if I sit down and have a cup of coffee with you and you start talking about analytics, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking around like, what? What the what the fuck's going on? Are we in a board meeting? What's what's happening? Yeah. Not that I am like, because I think when I talk like that, maybe someone who's more industry plugged in would say, "Oh, so this is like one of those, uh, you know, comics who's just gonna drift down river and live on a boat one day." No, I'm not like that. Uh, nothing wrong with living on a boat, but I'm just saying there's this attitude of like, yeah, you gotta be busy, busy, busy. I'm like, look, get things done. Yeah. You can you can hit big objectives, but this idea that we have to constantly be moving again, it's just another lie that I feel like going back to living in America, the system in general has this way of just trying to get you to grind mm. and to drain yourself. And I refuse it all the time. I also completely refuse to be unhappy i refuse to you know we're told like you see these comedians as well i keep saying comedians because that's my reality but yeah. people who you know until you really make it as a comedian then you're kind of uh, unhappy fuck yeah. all that yeah, yeah, I, yeah i'm not gonna live that way i said a long time ago i made a, a long time ago i just said like look as long as i'm what do I really want? Like, I think everybody should have a base level 
of happiness. And you should say, look, what what do I actually want out of life? Because you you know, it's like with the Edinburgh Festival. Everyone's like, I want to win the Edinburgh Festival, and I'm like, and 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 they think that their problems will be solved. Sometimes I say, well, how much money is it to win the festival? How, what do you? And they don't know. Mm-hmm. And I say, see, in a weird way, that's going for ten grand is a much more healthy objective than just assuming that you're going to be anointed <laughs> and then you're going to be marched down the M1 and people are going to just shower you with... Pr- That's how you set yourself up for failure because, yeah. you know, it's like those famous people who get famous and then are unhappy because they think... Because they're trying to fill this void with something that's not tangible. Yeah, Like this idea that you're just going to reach this love. It's like, dude, you could... If if you're not going f- for the ten grand, then I can tell you right now what you're actually trying to achieve is is something else that could be achieved right now. You've got this. You're not you're not happy with something. You don't feel like you feel like you need to be told you're worth something. And the way that I take that back to what I meant about not refusing to be unhappy is like this idea that this idea that living a free existence and being able to. Um, create and 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 live an artistic lifestyle is in itself not not enough yeah and that's that's again that's the lie that's the lie that you're fed that's and not to slag my parents i love my parents but that's sort of when you tell your parents i'm a comedian and they say or or your family members and they're like but you haven't been on netflix yeah <laughs> so i don't think you are and it's like well i'm not going to I would love, hey, I'm open to Netflix, like, get, come at me. But I'm not going to, that's, again, that's that American lie of it's about the prize at the end. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I'm like, yeah. no, nah, dude, like, my base level, I decided a long time ago, was like, if I can, because I saw guys like that. When I was coming up, you know, you'd see these guys who, you're an open micer, and they're doing, like, colleges or something and making a living, but they'd be like, that road, that road, comic of like fuck this man this is <laughs> and i was like i understand it's hard and i'm not saying you should just be like oh i'm i'm good at this level but i said to myself dude if you get there just enjoy the fact that you that you're you're free man yeah. you're not in an office anymore like don't don't be able to not take a breath look around and be like fuck man this mm. is incredible cuz it is incredible like to be able to be doing what you love on any fucking level, dude, is a win. Yeah. And that's why all this, like, that's why social media is unhealthy and and, and, and celebrity in general is, un- is because people, when I see people have to take a photo of themselves on vacation, I'm like, that's the fucking lie. You think that if it's not seen by other people and validated on some level of celebrity... That it didn't actually, that it's not worth it's not anything. It's not worth anything, yeah, exactly. And, and so social media trains you to do that, you know, and that's mm. why I think it's, you got to engage with it very carefully. Oh, God, yeah. That comes up all the time on here. It's, it's causing so many problems. But also, like you say about being fed the lie, where they've got, society has now got us believing that the job is everything. Like, not comedy, I'm talking about any kind of work. They're like, you, your job is the most important thing about your life. And you need to, like when you go and have an interview, 
and they ask you that stupid question like, "What do you? Why do you want to join the company?" And every nobody can turn around and go, "Look, I just need a fucking job. I need a job so I can pay for my rent and I can feed my kids and I can do this." No one wants to go and work in a double glazing salesman place or wherever. No one wants to do these things, really. No one sets out to go, I really want to work in an office and I really want to work making a load of money for someone else that doesn't give a fuck about me. That's what I want to do. No, no one wants that. But yeah. it's that we're, we're they're told that, yeah, you know, you've got you, the company the company line, you've got to follow the company line and you've, the company is everything and the job is everything. And, you know, they're making they're making motorways wider they're making train lines faster but they're making apartments smaller and it just feels like they're turning us into worker bees you well know? yeah but if you have the balls and i'll expand that as well mm. and the ovaries <laughs> the mammaries if you like that's what i mean you can find a way out like i remember when i was working in an office in san diego and even then with no comedy or whatever i would have these ideas i'd think you know what uh you you could you're an adult like you're an adult and i would just think you could walk out of here right now buy a plane ticket and go to thailand i would just get mm. off on these thoughts i'd be like you could do that yeah. what, what is stopping you you can literally fucking do that and like i think people think that and they go yeah but no like do it it's <laughs> exhilarating. Like, it's fucking exhilarating to just be like, to when you realize the freedom you have over your own, you know, your own free will, To, to it's... Uh... Well, I did that when I was a kid. Was, I've said this before. I've done it. I used to do a bit about it. I used to say that there are, you know, I used to be a job. And I'd be like, this is, a, this is shit. This is shit. These people are shit. I'm, I'm going to go to lunch and then never go back. I just leave. And... Uh, there are still people waiting for me to come back from lunch from 20 years ago. Yeah. Like, that sandwich must be huge. Where the fuck oh, did he go? <laughs> Dude, I did all I did so much of that. I've probably lost like 30 or 40 jobs in my life. And <laughs> one time I, I was working at Pizza Hut and I just, I was living with my parents. So I didn't want them to know I quit. So I just dressed up in the uniform for like three weeks and put the Pizza Hut thing on my car, the delivery sign. Yeah. And would just would just drive to my friend's house. For like for like three weeks, my parents thought I worked at Pizza Hut. Um, so I many just, jobs like that. But I never felt when I did it. I never felt woo freedom. I'm out. I, like, I always felt like I was just letting everybody down. I'm like, oh, even though they were, I didn't want to work for them. I just didn't like them. I'm like, oh, you're wankers, man. Yeah, and then I, think I felt bad. Yeah. yeah, a lot of comics are like that. I mean, yeah, like those those sort of stop start years, like a plane trying to take off in the beginning. Yeah. Mm. And I think if you like your job, that's the thing. If you love your job, like, great. Like, yeah. I'm just saying there's there's a way to, I don't know, like, there's this idea, like, a lot of people have this idea that you have to do something. There's all, that, I guess that's what I'm, what, I, what I've always felt is that there's this force and it, it has nothing to do with the natural world. It's a, it's a societal force that from a very from the beginning says there's things you have to do and you realize that you don't yeah like, you don't really you're like well why do i have to do that i don't have to do like you know they'll be like mm. you have to do this job or you you know even when you start stand up uh i know i but i've changed tack a little bit because you just learn to be a little bit there's other things you learn about 
stand-up being a business and an artistic endeavor, however much you don't want to. You can choose how you want to engage with either of them, but you should know the consequences. So yeah. whatever. That's that's something you whatever that took me like ten years. But um but what I was saying is uh uh, oh fuck! I lost it. I started going off on social media. Oh, uh, uh, well, yeah. When you start standing, they say you have to do this. You have to do social media. You have to do that. And it's kind of like you don't have to. No. I mean, there are consequences either way, and you should reckon with those consequences depending on the choice, which will help you in the choice. But the idea that you just blatantly have to is a lie. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. No. Like. You don't have to eat food. You're going to die. You don't have to eat it. I'm not sure that was the correct metaphor. I get it, man. I get it. But there is that, uh, yeah, it's that, because I, I see, I because I just see us as animals, that we, you know, we're just, we're just animals, really, and we got, we're just more aware than other animals, and we've created this universe now. Um, but it's like when I'm, I, I owed some money to, to to some debt thing, and I was speaking to the woman, and I'm like, "Look, I can afford to give you this much." And she's like, "Well, that's not enough. We need the debt paid off in this time." And I'm like, "Why?" She said, "Oh, that's just what we do." And I'm like, "Well, why do you do that?" And she's like, "Yeah, well, we, we just." I'm like, "No, no, no. You're I, as as long as you get all the money, it doesn't matter how long it takes me to give it to you. Surely." But it was all that like these restrictions that human beings put on on themselves, yeah. and I just see this. Like the Matrix, yeah. I'm like, this is all fucked. This is, none of this matters, man. No, and it divides us. Yeah, dude, I had the exact same thing. Where like, uh, I basically, um, I was at a bank in America, and they charge you like, if I get paid for a club in America, I have to cash the check in America. But if you're not with that bank, they charge you like whatever, thirty bucks or some crazy shit. Yeah. And I just remember <laughs> she, the girl kept telling me, uh, I, I have to, and I said. Yeah, exactly what you said. I just looked at her. I was like, you don't, though. Like, yeah. You don't actually have to do this. You're doing it. But I said, you, the teller, could, you know, you could let me slide here. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was getting just... all evangelical. I was like, free yourself from the chains of society, man. My mom was like, please, just, I'll pay it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We can afford to be these these rebels against the against the system, but someone else has to pick up the check. Yeah, that's the thing. You have, you have to you have to realize that like not everybody is so you know happy to just fucking get fired. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, man, yeah. The yeah. world the world needs jobs worth. You know, I'm sure they serve a purpose, but uh, <laughs> but um, it's that once you take that step back and really sit, you go, no, this none of this is. In in a hundred years, anything I did and everything I said, it won't matter. It's just I won't be here, be gone. And it is you know what I mean? all the worries that I had, everything I was ah like, oh, fuck, I've got to do this thing, otherwise that guy's going to be fucked off. None of us are going to be here. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but then I start I start spiraling when I get like that, and then because then you start going, well, what's the point of doing anything then? What's the point of buying any records? What's the point of buying shoes? You know what I mean? You start that nihilism, that kind of. What's, yeah. what's the fucking point? And you wouldn't do anything then, would you? Yeah, no, yeah, I definitely don't like subscribe to that level of uh why do we do anything and mm. no, that's all bullshit. I I think that the point of it all is uh it's like I said, I just like I don't know, I uh I guess it probably sounds I don't know why I have to insert this caveat that it sounds wanky. I mean, who cares what it <laughs> sounds like, but 
um, that it's just to appreciate. And so I remember a long time ago, I remember, like, I always go back to, I don't know why I keep talking about Los Angeles, but it was such a defining sort of time for me, which is that, hold on one second, okay? Sorry. It's all right. Fucking computer's dying. Plug socket around here. <laughs> we just moved into this new flat. And I just plugged it into two plug sockets that didn't work. So. Ah, shit, man. So you got to work anyway. out which ones do and don't. Or you'll find some weird random one that you flick on and off. And well, I thought those worked, but anyway, we're back. Yeah, we had one in our. We had one in the kitchen where in, in our flat. I'm like, what the fuck does this do? And then it turns out it heats the floor in the kitchen. Well, I didn't know, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's fancy. Yeah, man. Didn't it's, know that was a thing. Yeah, well, this is the, this is lovely, isn't it? I kitchen didn't, floor yeah, heater. Heating in the kitchen. It's like, wow, man. Nice. Um, you hear that, baby? we got to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> Get some hot floors. Yeah, the Wilsons got a heat. they got a <laughs> hot kitchen floor. <laughs> we got to get two. Jesus. Yeah, we're getting walls sealed. We're getting the whole bit. What do you think of that, Rich? Next time I see you. Big hot house. Um, yeah. So yeah, how you how are you how are you coping with everything that's going on at the minute? I mean, you've got we've got the lockdown, we've got America on fire. You know, how you how you how you coping? Um, I cope pretty well. Yeah. I, like, I think again, like I was uh, I was saying, I'll I'll pull it back right before the um, plug socket gate. <laughs> I have a general sort of. I don't know. I'm able to be pretty happy with. I'm able to kind of focus on what's going on immediately around me. I I am very empathetic to the fact that a, a lot of people. I know that I'm okay with a with much more solitude and um, inactivity. Yeah. As other people, like I can, and even I am starting to at times have trouble just sort of you know accepting that everything is on pause like well it's that it's taken the they've taken away the other options haven't they so you're it's all it's good that you know you're like, oh, i like being on my own but then it's i think it makes it easier because you've got the option of going and meeting people and yeah and and doing things and now that's been taken away so you've literally got solitude yeah and also just like things being on pause that i was you know, realistic goals that I was enjoying, like, uh, I don't know, trying to save up money and mm. like for different things. And that was all going good. And now that's kind of like, you can't really do that because you don't, you've got to kind of, however you're, and we're lucky. I mean, like the, the way I feel totally lucky that wherever my career was at, it's, it's enabled me to not have to struggle like other people were having to kind of go back to you know i was able to get through it and but you can't you've got to just kind of hoard what you've got mm. you can't really be spending a lot on anything or and you almost you don't even make plans for anything like my parents were going to come out and see us and that's not happening and 
there's no I don't know, it just feels uh feels weird. You don't really know Yeah. Where and yeah, I I mean you can be really alone with your thoughts. I imagine I mean I've talked to some comedians when the lockdown lifted a little bit and I really felt bad for him because I thought it it was kind of like I feel like I've gone through a long a lot in my life where I've trained these uh, I've really worked at my mental health and so I've I've I feel equipped mm. and some people I talk to I just think damn yeah like to be at that stage where you're kind of pretty fragile this must be this would not be fun. No, not at all. Um, I know I've spoken. There's been people that have messaged me online after listening to this, and they're just going, "You know what? It just, it just. I just liked hearing the fact that I wasn't the only one struggling with it. You know, that's there's some comfort in that knowing because everybody else always seems to be more. Everyone seems to have a handle on everything, and everyone's everyone's life is just so, and everyone's like everyone's smashing it, and and then you think you're the only one that isn't. And you're the oh. only one that's not handling this this weird shit that's going on, or you feel bad because you're you go fuck. There must be something wrong with me because everyone else is handling it, and that's not the case. We're all just working out how best to handle it, aren't we? Yeah, in our yeah. own way. Empathy is like uh, to know someone else is going through it is is such a powerful thing. I remember like I remember a long time ago. I remember some comic that I had started out with. I I was just telling him something about oh I'm thinking this and I'm thinking that and it was like I was having these uh just whatever beating myself up all that kind of stuff and I remember he just said something to me he didn't even know what he was saying he just said oh yeah there's this video online and this guy talks about that and then he told me all about it and it was such a revelation to me that this problem had been addressed and that this guy and that this other comic also was going through it, that mm. I just, I hugged him. <laughs> and I remember he was like, you know, because he didn't know we were having this deep conversation. He was just kind of talking to me. Yeah. And I went, oh, man, and I gave him a hug. And I remember he was like, oh, yeah, okay, man. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, it's just a beautiful thing to. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it is, yeah, it's understanding that sometimes we handle things weirdly. Like you were talking about earlier about being nervous in green rooms and you might say the wrong thing. I had someone say, someone did it to me in Edinburgh and I walked into the green room and he just went, he goes, you know what, you've wear, you're wearing a tight t-shirt, but you're a big, you're a big lad and, but you're pulling it off. I don't know how. <laughs> and I'm still there going, you just call me fat. <laughs> like, what the fuck? But then you go, yeah, it was a weird gig and we were all kind of like, this doesn't look playable at all. Yeah. Uh, but luckily the MC, uh, Jojo Sutherland was fucking amazing. But... Yeah, it's that it's that understanding that other people, uh, we're all dealing with it, this stuff in our own way, and sometimes, it, sometimes we say stuff we don't really mean it, and yeah, that's the thing, man. Yeah. It's like I that's Empathy. another thing that you learn is like, like really trying to get inside other people's set. Like I really do give people the benefit of the doubt. Like whenever we're hanging out with a bunch of comedians, like I know, or any people, I'm like I know what nervous energy looks like. Yeah, and so. I give people a pass. The worst thing you can do is like, and you probably get this being shy. People often think shy people are stuck up. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Aloof. I got called aloof. Yeah, like they think <laughs> you're just being a snob. And I've yeah. probably met, you know, and especially someone like you who's doing well, whether you are aware of it or not. Mm -hmm. You, you to the to someone who's not doesn't feel they're on your level. They would just think you're that they're not good enough for you. Where, yeah. Whereas 
the first thing that I think of, or I, I try to when I'm around, like, as I don't get offended, I just think this guy is probably nervous and then, or, or he's not like nervous to be around me, but he's just having that anxiety or he's like, and then you just, if you just try to connect with people, it, it just all, it all melts, you know, like, yeah. um, there's common ground I, I find with like, sometimes they just need to know you're vulnerable. Like sometimes people are, will be aggressive to you because you can, I can, I can often tell when someone's perceiving me a certain way. You know, like if people yes. don't know me, I remember when I first moved here, they're like, okay, American guy, he's a asshole, he's loud, he thinks he's hot shit. Um, just cause that's yeah. how the, just cause of my accent. And so I might like, immediately connect with that person by saying something vulnerable like like with you how i would be like yeah i thought i sucked tonight or so i don't know like not okay, being self yeah. Yeah. just trying to be like hey man here's some reality and then next thing you know you're having a great you know i've had that with like comedians where we don't get along at all and then if you just show some vulnerability and try to connect on a on a deeper level like you'll have a three-hour conversation on a train with that guy and be like yes. oh we just had to break each other's defenses down <laughs> Com comedians are so afraid of like i can't tell this guy i like him yet until i know that he likes me yeah yeah you know or whatever so <laughs> by the way speaking of being loud i noticed halfway through the podcast that your producer turned my decibels down which i thought was <laughs> which i thought was hilarious you're peaking furiously they were going, oh yeah no yeah, i yeah, know yeah. i've i've been told that i for some reason i hold a podcast mic like henry rollins on stage <laughs> i just like just screaming into yeah. it just yeah like you're trying to strangle it just yeah. fucking so have you been fighting against that as i knocked down the decibels you were so you're just getting louder and louder That's yeah yeah i was trying to compensate <laughs> heard. Uh, russell this has been amazing thank you so much for coming on man we were going to do produce we we're going to do like alternate endings like to bend depending on the uh, what happened with the with the election oh we, yeah 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 like we're in crying if, or we're in really happy i've just put on your screen rich the, oh yeah yeah uh, yeah oh wow so man so biden's 243 that's Trump, Trump's two fourteen, but that was that's good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff, dude. So then we were gonna do like alternate endings, like if what would you, how you would be if Trump had won, or how you know, it's yeah, that's what we were gonna do. But how do you feel? I mean, if it's real, I mean, if it's if we're gonna do it genuinely, that's a bit funny. Yeah. I think it that's a bit weird, but I think it's funny to, to acknowledge. We'll keep all the endings in, I think. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, okay. Trump won. Great job, America. Um, I need, I, I, I didn't doubt for a second this is what you were going to do. And, uh, you know, hey, keep on keeping on. Never <laughs> discount Americans' ability to vote against their own self-interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like the, it's it, like Brits, man. Brits will, Brits will kick himself in the nuts. Yeah, I think, I was just thinking this on the, I was thinking we should do a swap. Like, I don't even think the next president should be American. Let's just, let's get a Brit in there. And then uh, just see how that happens. See, see, I don't know. I think America could use, you know, your guys' attitude. And then we'll we'll send you an American. And <laughs> I, think after, I think after that, you guys will be, uh, you know, you'll go a little bit more liberal with your choices. <laughs> you see what, what it can look like. I think they should send the women in. Let the women do it. The, wi Let the women in, man. Men just wave their fucking dicks around all day. Let the women in. It is true. I mean... Before this podcast, I was literally just waving my dick. Uh, <laughs> I just, I stand outside the people of Rochester and I just, 
Just shake it. Just wave I, it I'm out. doing it now. I'm doing it now as I talk to you. Yeah. Just waving my dick around. I can tell. That's how I get... <laughs> oh, that's, that's another way I make other comedians comfortable. I mean... I know that's frowned upon now. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> that, that vulnerability. I learned that from a great comedian named Louis C.K. You just sort of, <laughs> it really, that's what people don't understand. He was just trying to make people comfortable. <laughs> just being, this is me at my most vulnerable. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, and Biden. Biden wins, man. Fuck. Honestly, man, I think that if he wins, like, yeah, I just think that people associate this whole era, um, this last four years, and especially the last year, just need to change, man. Like these, mm. I don't know why everyone's got to be. So, there's this attitude that toughness, like everything's got to be fucking. I'm tough. I'm not a snowflake. And you know what? Everybody should watch the movie Goodfellas because mm. Joe Pesci's character, the whole moral of that movie, to me is that toughness will get you so far. And then if you watch, I'm actually serious about this. If you watch Martin Scorsese movies, the tough guy always gets it in the end. Yes. Because that's how far, because there's always someone tougher than you. Yes. So if you, if you're just going to ride that, that's your whole tactic. Like I'm, I'm a badass. Well, you're going to get beaten with a baseball bat and, <laughs> and left in a ditch. Yeah, like it, it only gets you so far, you know, that's uh, and that's I just don't I think people are lying to themselves. I think there's this attitude, especially among men. I see it with like how many comedians do you know that do MMA? I'm oh, like, so I'm like, many. what are you what are you doing? <laughs> like you don't know how to fight. You'll never know. Just admit you're a pussy. Trust me, it's much more, it's much better for you just to, I, cause I had that. I was like doing all these boxing MMA classes. And then I just realized I was like, you know, especially being around those guys, I was like, uh, what, what am I, uh, why am I doing this? Like, yeah. And I just sort of, uh, said, you know what? I'm funny. Uh, that's my thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pussy. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's no... We live in the modern world. There's, there is never going to be, you know, some great battle where hand-to-hand combat is going to... Yeah, it's never going to be Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings out there. Yeah, it's, uh, there's just like this attitude lately of... I see that a lot. Like, like, like that it's, it's all about being tough. And I think that... I mean, t- toughness is... It doesn't mean you can't be like sometimes that what they're trying to achieve is this confidence in their self. And sometimes that can be achieved by being honest about the fact that you're not tough. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. What, what, what you're trying to achieve is this sort of like I'm this alpha. And it's like sometimes the most confident dude in the room is the guy who's like, yeah, I can't fight. Yeah, I, I've met people like that who is like, wow, like this guy's so. This guy knows who he is. He's not the stereotypical. And if you if you go against that, you actually just you're being dishonest, and it just it comes off kind of weird. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, there's a lot it. of guys. Yeah. A lot of that. A lot of guys come into green rooms after listening to 14 hours of the Joe Rogan podcast, and I'm like, <laughs> listen, mate, just 
<laughs> yeah. Relax. Take okay. it down a few. Like, yeah. yeah. Take you've, it easy. You've ramped yourself up now, Ted yeah. Nugent. Relax. Yeah. How'd you prepare for your gig today? I did eight hours of jujitsu. Oh. <laughs> cool. You're going to be relaxed and fun to be around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Russell, man, this has been amazing. Um, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, where can we find you? Are you on the socials? Do you need anyone to find you? We just hey, find me. Find you. That's a that's a whole yeah. I'm out there, man. I mean, I've got a I got a TikTok coming along now, Ooh-wee. Rich. That's right. That's right. Check um, you out. Check you I'm out. I'm on all of them, man. I'm on all of them, and I'm putting uh, uh, some clips out, and there's a lot of stand-up out there that I'm I'm pretty proud of. And, uh, yeah, I think we got a nice, well-oiled machine going on. So Beautiful. You, so you you're on, you're on YouTube and stuff? Oh, on yeah, YouTube, I'm on all of them. everything. I'm right. across the board, guys. <laughs> so check out Russell Hicks. Russell, this has been amazing, and I look forward to seeing you properly in the flesh. You too, man. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.